Welcome to the Devil's Cardigan Podcast, brought to you by Little Rivers Brewery, Roll Cycles, Shimano Australia, Pock Sports, the Blue Derby Pods Ride, Cyborg Signs, and the Dorset Hotel Derby. In this episode, I sit down with Anthony Edler, the founder of the Tasmanian Bike Collective. The Tas Bike Collective is an awesome organisation that creates places for young people to grow and develop their character and skills for life with the Humble Bicycle. The Collective is our charity partner for this year's race, and they will be around registration, helping out and selling raffle tickets for an assortment of great prizes to be drawn at presentations. We also have just opened up ticket sales to our Friday night shindig, The Last Supper, hosted by Mike Tomalaris with special guests Beard McBeardy and Richie Port. Sit down for a hearty meal of spit roast local lamb from Pine Gunner Premium Meats at Lot 40 Distillery in Derby. Tickets are limited to 50, and all profits go to the Taz Bike Collective thanks to the immense generosity of Lot 40, Pine Gunner, Premium Meats, and most of all, the Howe Property Group in Launceston. Thanks, Alex, for your immense generosity for making this all possible, mate, and we hope you enjoy this conversation with Ant. Thanks for sitting down with us today, Ant. It's come come around rather fast since you and I were uh, on a sandy beach together, the fire burning, to a couple of firths. If you're Tasmanian, you might know who they are. And a uh, romantic night. It on was the a East very, Coast. very romantic night with a, a few ales and a few tales told, and uh, the collaboration of the Tasmanian Bike Collective joining the Devil's Cardigan for the 2023 was born. Yeah, and we decided we need to uh, have a good old chinwag, and, and here we are, six weeks and one day from race day away. Yeah, not far at all, hey. It's Correct. creeping up very quickly. Way too fast, and <laughs> I am, yeah, got a few more grey hairs to show, I think, but it's going to be fine. Um, so we're sitting down here with Ant, who is the CEO, founder of the Tasmanian Bike Collective, our charity partner for this year. Um, it was something that I was definitely keen to to initiate for this year and all the other lads were super keen too so we're super stoked to have you on board and uh can't wait to show off everything that you do at the event this year to the whole world no and we're super appreciative of that opportunity and that chance so yeah looking forward to it well i know what you do Mm. but some of these listeners may not as well so what is the tasmanian bike collective event yeah, so the Tasmanian Bike Collective, in like our little tagline, it's bikes for a better future. But um, our core business is is all about mentoring and building up skills in young people. So we work with high schools, we work with primary schools, but that sort of late, early teens, late teens, and kids who need a bit of extra help in life. Um, we've you know my history and my start was as a youth worker and just trying to connect with kids who were struggling in the classroom and we know the classroom only fits so many people so many who struggle and so over the past what is it 18 years we've 18 years 18 years was when i first walked into a high school as a pretty fresh-faced 21 year old and um just started trying to do different stuff and the beauty about it is the bikes and we tried one year we just tried to fix a few bikes and thought well could this connect with the guys could this help us develop some life skills work skills um in a you know non-formal education setting and it clicked like it sort wow. of worked so and was was bikes the main medium from the get-go no so, no. so we did some surfing we did fishing we did um, skateboards, billy carts, cooking. We were just trying to do whatever would actually connect and actually make a difference for a young person. Yep. So a young person, you know, and we're talking 
a lot of a lot of who we've worked with over the years is the boys, um, and so we're talking a lot of you know teenage boys who've got lots of energy, lots of um, you know just don't but can't sit still. You know they can't yeah. sit in a classroom. They they might have some diagnose you know diagnoses like ADHD or dyslexia or. Um, all of that, but in essence, it's just this classroom model doesn't work, and so they're lost. Yeah, they're, and because of that, they're misbehaving, or because of what's going on at home. And so we just wanted to get around to them, around those guys, and go, well, what can we be doing to give them a better chance at a better future? And so we just tried heaps of different stuff. Fantastic. Where did the idea first start? What what was the spark back when you were 21 years old where when you are 21, there's definitely very different priorities to where we both are in life now. Some very positive, some maybe not so. But where, mm. where, where did that come from? Yeah, I think uh, for me, I through my own teenage years, I really saw that it was the people around me, my community that got me through that time. It wasn't my parents. It wasn't my family, my nuclear family. I didn't want like who wants to listen to their parents. Um, but the thing that was probably helped me actually navigate that time in life was those mentors and those people who were around me that actually just gave me the time of day, who looked at me as a person, not as some annoying kid. Yeah. Um, and I think that resonated with me, and. Somehow I realized that and went, well, I see this group of kids in a high school that don't have that. These kids who are they're lost in a lot of ways and they're not getting that positive reinforcement at home necessarily. They're, you know, they're just feeding off one another. Where are those positive role models? Where are those people getting around them in their community to steer them in a positive direction and and so for me it's not just a job it's you know it's I actually moved into that community we were working in because I didn't just want to be someone who just flew in flew out sort of thing and did a nine to five but actually moving into the suburb of Risdon Vale in Hobart was actually really important and this is where we started our work was around that community and it's a low socioeconomic community so most people are like what you're going to go and move in with the bogans you know you're going to go and um yeah i was just thinking what would be like an equivalent in sydney or melbourne as oh, risen bar i mean yeah yeah it's it's typical to you know any low socioeconomic area that's set up as government housing and yeah all that sort of stuff. I mean, we in Tassie were a bit sheltered from some of the extremes, um, but it's um, yeah, just but so many great. Like it's the best community I've ever lived in. You know, there's all this um, perception around what it might be like. But it's actually the best community. It supports one another. There's so much life in it that's wonderful and great, and one of the best decisions ever made. Um, but then it, it wasn't just me going to work. It was, you know, actually running into some of these boys at the shops and and just being able to go for a ride on a weekend. All those points of connection actually made a difference in then when I did go to into the school and do, you know, some classroom stuff with them um, that they knew I wasn't just, 
you know, another teacher. Absolutely. It was a different level, different connection. Yeah. Um, Broken down. Like you've got that rapport anyway that's different as, you know, they're seeing you in a completely different light on the streets, on the on a bike, doing stuff. And then there must have been like a real light bulb moment of just trying to figure out who you actually were yeah. maybe when, you, when they first saw you in this classroom as well. It was like, wait a second. Yeah, who's mm. this guy with big sideburns? Yeah, and- I'm on chops. <laughs> um, but... And the thing for me, I think the thing that cemented that for me was, um, you know, there was a few kids over that time and it's funny, you don't get much out of a teenage boy. Like, how was your day? Yep. You know, what did you do today? Good. (laughs) You know, like, but what we were getting was other teachers in the school were coming to us going, what have you done? Like, this kid's now looking at me in the eye. He's got a smile on his face or he came from, you know, from working with, you guys on bikes and now he's actually engaged in the next lesson or um, we've seen his attendance turn around because he's coming on this day because he wants to come to school. He's got something he's looking forward to. And so what we found was these, and what we actually do is just fix up an old rundown bike. But in that process, a young person can, can get confidence and reward out of seeing something that's broken down, run down, done up into something you know that looks good again and we sell the bikes on so it's a product and something that someone's coming to and willing to pay money for that builds confidence that builds success in a environment where these kids are constantly feeling like failures because they can't do the book work or they struggle to sit still long enough to do it so building in success starts building their confidence, starts giving them a purpose, and it just can. We can just see that start to gather momentum, and you're like, okay, we're onto something here. What was probably the biggest roadblock that you sort of came up against in the early days, like when you're getting into the uh, into the neighbourhood, getting it going at school? Was it, you know, just hard to get just get those initial kids going, or was there some teachers that maybe just thought that you're crazy? Was you know, just yeah, administration bureaucracy or some of like yeah. Yeah, not yeah, some yeah. of the stuff I think was like um why you're rewarding the naughty kids so you're, you're working yeah. and giving these naughty kids these opportunities like we took them up to the V8 supercars we took them to on these outings that other kids didn't get the opportunity to do and so there was these questions like well are you actually just rewarding bad behaviour. And we had to work quite closely with the school and the school community to actually show them and see that these kids actually, without this support, this is what they need to thrive. Otherwise, they're going to be an ongoing issue in your school. And we need to support everyone at where they're at. Um, And, yeah, and we did. We managed to get that support and actually get school to see how important these programs were because it actually reinforced what the school were doing in other areas and the kids if they're more engaged with us they were more engaged in the classroom then that supports the whole school community 100 yeah. percent. and so over time we managed to be able to change that perception that we were just rewarding naughty kids um to actually the perception well actually we're helping all of the school by helping these kids who might not fit that little shoe box what did that feel like when that moment just sort of happened when you, you know, a lot of these individuals that may have had that 
that pushback that just didn't, didn't didn't quite see what was going on here when it clicked and came together like well, that must have been fairly rewarding or yeah i think the reward was just seeing or relief the um like the kids and i think just seeing them how they engage with it and how they responded to it that stuff being able to um not let that, that interfere with what we were doing and I think one of the really important lessons I've learned over the time is is you listen who you listen to is really important. Yeah. And you listen to the people who are in you know, it's a, a great sporting analogy. Do you listen to the people in the arena watching or do you listen to the people on the sports field that you're standing there shoulder to shoulder with? And so listening to the right people then meant you yeah, we weren't swayed by that sort of stuff. Um, and it's it's not something that was probably ever something that's fully dealt with. We have to go back to that. Like we started from that one program that we did for essentially, you know, our first, I was at the high school for 10 years, then the high school shut. It's Risenvale. That was um, called Gilston Bay High School. Yeah. And then that high school actually shut down. And so then we... we launched it as a community program in Risdon Vale and then again we're working with a different high school so we've almost had to broach that again so it wasn't wow. it was and it, and as we started more programs so now we've got one down the Huon Valley and one out further east as well um, that we come back and have to sort of circle around that issue again and so it's not not like it ever fully goes away yep. but I, I think Every year, there's new kids growing up and coming, you know, going through their teens. There's new parents to talk to, new teachers coming and going. Yeah, so it's just constant process. So with with that, with Risenvale, down the Huon, all the multiple locations that you've got, you must have a rather solid crew behind you supporting you through all this. Yeah, and that's that's been one of the I think the enjoyable things. So obviously, as someone who founds, you know, as a founder, you you feel very a lot of ownership. Um, over this stuff and but what's been really great in the last really it's been the last three years was when we established it to be a network of programs not just one program um, that we've had these other people who have jumped into that vision and have connected with their communities and their group of young people have just taken that and run with it and it's you know we've got some incredible crew who are are now running the show running those programs and i just get to step back and watch now it's awesome um so down the huon valley we've got um one of the reasons i'm ant is because that's anthony (laughs) um down the huon valley he doesn't own a car he rides a bike everywhere he often he's towing his 18 kilo dog with him tess and he's everyone down there knows him because you just say oh you know the guy that rides around with his dog on the back and uh, uh, point, of, point of interest, uh, just jump on YouTube and search uh, Tassie Gift. Yeah. Um, Anthony, what's his surname? Davidson. Davidson. And sit back and enjoy some of those epic uh, <laughs> videos that he put up from his lap around uh, Tassie on the Tassie Gift, which if you don't know about it, have a little Google about that and, and uh, prepare for your mind to be blown. If you think the cardigan's hard. Yeah. Uh, uh, That's yeah. next level. <laughs> oh, it's, 
amazing um yeah so, yeah so he's like he's and he's just coming he came in as a volunteer so he we started the program down here there he put his hand up to volunteer because he just loves bikes and thinks they're amazing um but which what, they are which they are 100 <laughs> percent, and they are a brilliant medium for what we do and what he then quickly realized was it's actually not so much about the bike yeah it's about these young people and their future and and he got sold on that vision really quickly to, and so much so to the next year um, we offered him the job and he took it and he's been running that since and that's grown from working with the first year we worked with sort of 12 to 15 kids to now working with 35 to 40 kids Wow! Um, every week so that's that many kids coming in week in week out they come during school they then can come in after school they can fix their own bike they can um uh they can also through the and one of the really fundamental things around what we do now is they can earn their own credits so we really believe that every young person has so much to give and when we all we do is hand out stuff we don't actually teach a young person that they're valuable and so what we want to do is embed in our programs that they actually have value they have worth and when they work and contribute they'll get something back that's how our world works it's a great point too that you're making there it's not just about the value of money it's about their value that's right their skills yeah. you know, their existence like that's so much that's just priceless yeah and so and they've really they jump into that and go, oh, well, um, I can come and earn my credits and then I can work my way to my own bike or upgrade my bike through parts and stuff. And so everything in our workshop's got this, how many credits is that worth? How many credits is that worth? And But what we see is young people start getting on better bikes. They start riding more. And so although we don't do a lot of ride days with them and take them out riding, we don't actually do a lot of that. Um, we actually see the impact is they on better bikes. They now know how to fix their own bike. They're bringing them in. We keep them maintained with them. And and like down the Huon Valley, we're seeing kids riding around with a, you know, a trailer on the back with a lawnmower going and doing odd jobs for some side cash as well. So they're starting to, you know, just take that on and and see that when they're out there contributing, doing stuff, they're getting something back. And I love some of the um, the comments and feedback we get. So at the end of the year, we sit down and ask them a bunch of questions. And, you know, some of them, it's just gold. And it's, you know, and it also really shows me that everyone starts at such different points in life. Um, so some kids have, well, and one really stood out to me. He said, oh, it's helped me want to get a job. I'm like, wow. Like, so... You know, and then you look at his family history and you go, yeah, generational unemployment. Um, you know, there's who knows what else is going on behind the scenes. But you look at his older siblings, none of them are working. Um, you know, it's and just being in the bike collective has shown him that actually getting a job's valuable and there's something in that. Whereas another kid comes in and goes, well, I've actually learnt that I want to do something with my hands and I want to, you know, so I'm going to look at mechanics trade or something. So, yeah. you know, everyone starts at a different point and gets something out of it. And and some of, you know, what we really 
just love to see is um, is a young person grasp a new idea and a new concept, and you just see that light come on and that you know that flicker in their eyes that actually yeah there's a new idea there's my you know my horizon has been expanded even though they can't say those words or put yep. those words to it you just see it happening there it's such a powerful thing you know, you think back when you go through high school you know what do you want to do what do you want to do what do you want to do uh, yeah. and how many people jump straight out of high school and pick xyz to learn down the track hmm, i actually needed M N O, and uh, and change. Whereas, like, just to have some sort of guidance like that, some spark, some. Oh, I'm actually yeah. Like like you said, I'm kind of handy on the tools. Mm. I could be a car mechanic. I could be a diesel mechanic. Next minute, you're flying in and out like the uh, the Pilbara. <laughs> Who knows? But like, didn't have some sort of direction like that. Like, that's fantastic and mm. very very powerful, powering. Yeah, and we we focus a lot, um, and this is and it's something we have to really. <laughs> focus on a lot and keep feeding and drip feeding, drip feeding, drip feeding is we're not here to teach kids to be bike mechanics because that's a very small industry. Um, But what we're here to teach you and want you to walk away with is you to know the importance of reliability, to you know, to know the importance of how to solve a problem, to know what it means to be just confident in yourselves and put yourself out there. So these fundamental, you know, a lot of relational skills, how to work with people you don't like, yeah, you know, how to regulate your emotions when you're upset and angry and something's not going right, rather than exploding, how can you actually keep yourself calm and be able to work through that? And those things will, you know, help you in any part of your life, anywhere. And so we often ask the question, well, who do you want to be? Not what do you want to do? Because we know, as you say, like, and people will do seven, I think it's now like seven different careers in their life. Not not different jobs, different careers. Mm. And so we're like, well, who do you want to be? You know, what sort of mate do you want to be? And, and you just see them going, oh, well, I never thought about that. <laughs> um, and who does? Teenagers. Like, who? you don't think about that stuff. Which is incredibly powerful because there's that saying, you are the company you keep. And if you get kids at that such a young age, at such a oh, they're so multiple. Like you just like you're just working out who you are. But to, to get to get them thinking about that too, like you can help them whether they realize it or not, start to filter who they actually want to be and who they want to associate with. And that, regardless of career, like that's life changing. Yeah, that's yeah, impressive. that's right. And and get them to seeing their choices. Like, so you have choices. And, you know, those choices you have, you can, you can make will have different consequences. Yeah. Good or bad. So it's not that you're going to be punished. It's actually the consequence, good consequence, bad consequence, make this choice. And, and you have control. You have actually, you have control over your choice of what you do. You, You know, the world's hard. The world's, you know, anyone who's lived long enough knows how hard it is just to get through life like it's shit like school is hard like let's talk about you know throwing pubescent boys and girls and just putting them in a small space all together and telling them to sit down be quiet and learn like 
whose idea was that 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 was ever going to work? <laughs> well, and that's probably for us. Then now chucking a smartphone and social media, it's just yeah, it's like add, napalm yeah, on, a, on a add TikTok a- and <laughs> Snapchat, all of it, and it's just this melting pot. And so. If they can start to see that they have a choice, that they it's not all the just external um, stuff, then they start to actually realise that they can make their own decisions and set their own path. And and if we can do anything, just one little bit of that, you know, it doesn't have to be life changing, but if we can just get them to see one little aspect, then I think we've had success and that's what I look for like I don't necessarily look for and hang my hat on transformed lives but what I really I love and just get so much value out of this is when you just see a young person just take one little step in a positive direction you know like bang that was all worth it absolutely and that yeah that ripple effect it just will just grow and grow and grow from there yeah are there any um, particular stories that you're comfortable sharing yeah, I, yeah, and I've got a permission. We get permission from the young guys to share some of their stories as well. And um, you know, I'm really proud to say that there's been kids who've come through the program who've, during that time, have lost. Like one one kid lost his mum while he was with us, and he he came to us grade seven, and he wouldn't he wouldn't look you in the eye. And he wouldn't say boo. He was going to school for about six hours a week was his timetable. And the school was like, we just can't get him to do anything. We can get him here for six hours a week. But he just, you know, he's just that unmotivated. It's a waste of time. We don't, you know, it's just not even worth it. I'm like, all right, well, come and work on some bikes. Like we're setting up this new workshop in Risdon Vale. Come in and work with us. Um, and he worked with us nearly two days a week over the course of a year. And he actually, at that point, we were setting up the workshop. So I was just getting him to help me, you know, build drawers and put hang up hooks to start with. And then we started more on the bikes and, and he was a big part of that process. And by the end of the year, and it was, and this was a tragic story because during that year, he lost his mum. And so he was a, at that stage, he had older siblings. He was quite a younger, he was, you know, sort of 15 years younger than his other siblings. And so he had quite an elderly mum who passed away, but it was only him and his mum at home. And so his whole world was thrown into absolute turmoil. He had nowhere, you know, he's lost his mum, he's lost his home. Where's he going to go? So he ended up with some family friends and... But he ended up, you know, he kept coming to bikes. And by the end of the year, even though all this stuff happened, he was looking me in the eye. He was looking teachers in the eye when he went to school. And the next year, he actually came to us and said, look, I want to go back to school full time. I will, you know, I want to keep coming to the bike collective. I'll come down after school and I'll do one, you know, one session, which is sort of a two-hour session a week, but I want to go back to school the rest of the time. And he did. He went back full-time to school. He, yeah, and I had, this is, you know, not so much from him, but from the teachers coming to me and going, this is a different kid. 
Wow. Who is this? And that was all under like his own direction too, his own initiation. To, oh, he initiated all of that wanting to, yeah. this is what I'm going to do. And there's some key life skills right there. In the middle of something I haven't even experienced and had to go through and he showed the resilience and that. And so, yeah, I just think oh, it's amazing. And then, um, you know, we actually work with uh, quite a few foster kids coming to our programs who have trauma in their background um, but are now often in a stable home environment um, and we find they really thrive in our programs. So because we work with like four kids at a time and it's, as I said, it's hands-on on a bike, doing up a bike, it's calm, it's secure it's safe it's meditative almost for these kids whose life you know yelling and screaming triggers stuff you know high like lots of stimulus can trigger things and so to have a calm environment that they can come and they know they're just supported they work alongside you and our volunteers and it's they just thrive in that space and, it, and they really take it on and it almost becomes theirs i've just seen yeah time and time again with kids in from that sort of background they just feel safe you know and and that's such an important starting point um because if you don't feel safe you you go into your shell and what we see is kids starting to come out of their shell in that and kids who the school isn't getting anything out of you know we can't shut them up or you know they come in and want to work um, as opposed to going into a classroom and being a pest. So, and the collective has a pretty profound impact on so many young fellas and lasses. What about the volunteers, you know, the crew behind it? Like that must be pretty powerful to witness that change in a young human's life that has such a, a massive course direction for decades to come. Mm, yeah. And we work, so we've got, now we've got six staff, but even up until last year, we were three staff, and but we had 30 volunteers. And so wow. the volunteers are so, like, they're just so good. And I actually, what I love about what we do is the volunteers come to me and say, I'm getting more out of this than I'm giving. And I, I actually don't know how that happens, but... It was great. Just um, recently, one of our volunteers, Julius, and he's doing the Devil's Cardigan. He's signed up to do the 50Ks. He wants to do a bit of fundraising, so he's got a fundraising page going, but he wrote his little testimonial around that. And it's I didn't know this, but it's actually changed his life fundamentally too. In his own words, he was unfit, didn't have a direction in life, was a pretty in a pretty bad mental place, mental health-wise. And he said through the Bike Collective, it's actually given him a sense of purpose. It's given him hope. These young guys coming in, he had this perception that, you know, potentially his car was going to get broken into day one. And so he had all these, you know, fears around what it might be. But it's, he said, he just comes in these, you know, works with kids who are, just there's enthusiasm, there's smiles and there's just the sponges and he's walked away a changed person and and I think that's 
that's brilliant. And I want that to be part of our story too, that even though these people are coming to give up their time, give up, you know, their energy, they're actually kind of walking away going, wow, I'm profoundly changed because of this experience too. It's a very special mutual yeah, experience there. And it's humanity. And yeah, and that's what community looks like. That's what that's richness. And when we get stuck in our little, you know, class ghettos and only interact with people of the same background and the same, you know, socioeconomic thing, we'd we'd lose that richness. And Absolutely. and I love the fact that we cross some of those boundaries and you know, and can actually be a yeah, a pathway for that and i know that's very true of customers too who come in to buy a bike they come in you know and they come into a workshop sometimes with kids hanging around and you know it can be pretty crazy sometimes but generally you know they'll come and have a chat to a customer talk to them about what they do and they'll talk about the bikes and these customers just like wow these kids are awesome amazing and it just breaks down those um preconceived ideas and things around what you know teenagers are and how they behave and I, I love that too so I think we yeah there's so many spin-offs to what we do we're doing up old bikes with that helps the environment yeah you know that's not why we do it but it's a great benefit you know we're getting bikes back out there um, now, not that we need a reason for to justify the N plus one rule, but it is a slight, you know, thought in the back, far background. Oh, but what about what do I do with the old one? Like, yeah, yeah, you know, it's six months old, it's, it's got a bit of dust on it. Like, <laughs> can't put it in the trash just yet. No, no, and that's right. And, and the donations and what we, so we take all those donations and, um, and they, yeah, they provide then, therefore provide the vehicle. Yeah, pardon the pun, um, to what we do. And that's really important. So you've gone from three staff up to six. Are they full-time, part-time? Everyone's part-time. Yep. So where does the funding to help? I mean, we could talk about, like, it's it's wonderful for all parties, but wonderful doesn't pay the bills sometimes. Yeah. So and time is valuable for a lot of people, especially the right people. So, yeah, and how is the collective... Yeah, survive. Yeah, and and it's always one of those tricky ones with funding because you know you want to be sustainable, but at the same time we're not a business. Um, but we also don't just want to always be asking for money. Um, and so we try and be you know try and diversify if you like and, and look at the social enterprise model. And that's one of the reasons we started selling bikes and do sell bikes. And we now turn over about $100,000 of bikes a year. Um, but uh, we still get a lot of grant money. So state government fund us and they've been brilliant and supported us since the start. Um, but that still works out at about 30 to 40% of our total funding. We then have some private philanthropic organisations who fund and we get one-off funding for equipment and that sort of stuff and then we also do our own fundraising and so things like a charity partnership um, and events with something we've developed in the last couple of years and that what that does is actually provides a few avenues for us it gets our you know name out there awareness of actually what we're about 
um, but also has an opportunity to um, free us up and have a bit more control over our own income. And so, for example, with the Devil's Cardigan, uh, there's about, I think there's already about six signed up to do some peer-to-peer fundraising. So like, like Julius, I was talking about myself, I've put up a little fundraising page and I'm saying, okay, I'm going to do the full 100 Ks. 106. 106 Ks, even though I'm, you know, got a dad bod and um, two young boys and I don't actually get much time on a bike. I'll put myself through that if, if some people can give us some funding because we then have actually, we can choose where we send that funding. Whereas grant applications, it's all very rigid, very strict. So funding like this, we can go, well, we need to support some more kids over here. Yeah. So that's where that money's going to go. Yeah. And so um, we've, yeah, so outside of, of that, we have some great businesses who have supported us as well and done a similar, similar sort of partnership thing where they've gone, there was like um, Audrey Cafe, shout out to Audrey, because they did for three months, they gave a percentage of all their coffee sales to one wow. of our programs. And that was brilliant. Like in these ec- economic, you know, times, that's a big sacrifice for a little business to go, yeah, we'll give you a little, you know, percentage of our sales. So I'd even Vertigo MDB out of Derby, like seeing uh, the uh, the X Rental fleet head off to the, the collective. Yeah. Fantastic. Like yeah. Yeah, so those little partnerships and things that more of those that we can bring in, we feel it's just going to protect us against, you know, loss of income from having too many eggs in one basket. And we're always going to rely on some grant funding and and we work closely with the state government. And as I said, they've been really supportive. But as we keep growing and expanding, we want to keep adding in different avenues. So... Um, things like this is just where that's brilliant. Yeah, I suppose this is a good place to probably bring in what we're planning to do at the big event because yeah. six weeks to the day is our Friday night shindig, which is going live as we speak. Yeah, Danny's, I'm pretty excited uh, about this. Danny's flicked the button on the website. It's live. The Devil's Cardigan 2023 Last Supper. Mm. So... It is going to be a ticketed event of which there are limited tickets and you're going to come and enjoy some of Tasmania's finest lamb from Pine Gatter Valley, Jed and Tara Nicholson. Fifth generation farmers there are going to put on a nice big three lamb spit roast. Cook for 12 hours, I hear. Um, And yeah, it's going to be just absolutely delicious. And then our good friend Sandy, who is a very passionate cook of Tasmanian produce. She's going to be taking care of the sides and, of course, a pudding at the end to get those calories up for the big day. <laughs> and it's all going to be at the uh, the new brewery, the new distillery in Derby, Lot 40. And whilst you enjoy your lamb and your sides and your pudding, you're going to be listening to a couple of uh, people that you may have heard of. Uh, Beardy McBeardy, Mark Zeno, he's going to join us and have a, tell us a few tales from the, from his adventures around the world, taking photographs of the best uh, cyclists on the planet. Legendary bloke. Yeah, yeah we, we're excited to have him in there. And then the one and only Richie Port is going to uh, come along and, and share a few words of wisdom of how you can all uh, 
you know, find a few extra watts for the big day. You know, any secrets to attack the KOM sections <laughs> up, the, up the hell of climb, the, the, sorry, the unnamed climb of hell, which is a legitimate Strava segment for that particular climb. All hosted by Mike Tomolaris, who you may or may not have heard or seen his, uh, his uh, knowledgeable uh, tones over the te- television in the years gone past. So that's all of online now, and you can buy your tickets, which are limited. So 100% of the profits for this night are going straight to the collective. Yeah, no, I'm super excited about like just some... And what I love about the idea for this dinner is is bringing in all this local stuff. So local produce from literally down the road, local chefs, local cooks, and then these local legends who have, you know, been across the professional at the highest points of their professions. And we get to hear their stories, you know, you know, you know, small, intimate gathering, as we said, limited tickets available, amazing opportunity to hear some stories from people like Richie Port from, you know, Beardy, big Beardy, Beardy man big himself. Beardy, and see what he's, you know, from him from behind the scenes and um, just to have a good feed and enjoy this, you know, what it is what Tassie has to offer. Great opportunity too to try and bribe him to capture your, your better angle on the bike the yeah, following day as well. Yeah, that's true, yeah. And uh, a few extra for that one. Absolutely. And things like this don't just happen by themselves. We've got to give a big shout out to our main sponsor, Howe Property Group, who are sponsoring the night, as well as Jed and Tara from Pine Gunner Premium Meats, who are supplying the, the lamb all on them. Lot 40 for the, the, their incredible generosity on the night. So make sure you pick yourself up a, a tasty frothy. And uh, buy a ticket. Come along. Plan your day around it. You'll have registered for the race by then. You should have. You can yes. head them down, have a feed, fill your belly, and then be ready for uh, the big day, the yeah. long day. Yeah, and... That's right, and I think it'll be a great way to lead into into the event. You know, you'll be nervous and all stressed out, so why not come and listen to someone else rather than your own voices in your own head taking you down that dark hole? You don't want to go there. No way. So that's happening. It'll be happening right now in six weeks' time as we speak. So, yeah, yeah. so Friday that's night. going to spring up what real What a way hard. to spend a Friday night before a big race. That's it. And we'll have a few other things going on around the weekend for the Taz Bike Click. You'll be there. You'll have a yep. few volunteers and kids there as well. Uh, What's the plan? It'll be mostly just, yeah, volunteers. Yep. Um, so we'll have, yeah, we'll have a bit of merchandise for sale. We've got a, some raffle tickets and we've got a few prizes in the works. So like some, you know, if you need a new pair of nice Shimano gravel shoes, then you might want to come and get it yourself a raffle ticket. We've got some Henty gear and um, hopefully a nice signed jersey, one of these special Merino Devil's Cardigans jersey signed by Richie Port himself as well so um, there'll be some tickets for sale there'll be merchandise for sale come up say g'day and yeah find out a bit more about what we do absolutely you'll be hanging out with us in the town hall as well on the Friday during registration yep, and we'll be there and yeah, any questions just come and say a big g'day to Ant and uh, yeah. if you can't wait Till the race day weekend, jump online and hit them up on the socials. Tell them what a bunch of legends they are. And uh, there's ways to fundraise and support their efforts there as well. And so get behind it. Yeah, so if you want to support one of the riders, uh, we'll probably be sending you some stuff in your emails as well. But um, we've got a fundraising page set up through MyCause. So if you go to MyCause 
and then just search Devil's Cardigan. Uh, fundraising stuff will come up there and you can throw any of our crew who are coming up some dollars for doing what they're doing. Um, and if you want, you can set up your own page as well and get your friends to sponsor you for doing what you're doing. It's suffering in the middle of the Tassie winter. No, 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 no. Suffering is optional. Mm, no. Nah. It's going to hurt, but Guaranteed. it's up to you if you're going to suffer on that ride or not. It's going to be fantastic. More sleet, wind, minus one. It's going to be fantastic. That's it's just how long you suffer for, isn't it? So if you're fast, you just suffer for slightly less time. Yeah, but as Tasman was telling us last time we had a chat, you know, he didn't suffer long enough, oh. you know. Well, thanks for coming up the long sets and end uh, and joining me tonight to have a chat about all the fantastic work that you do. I know you definitely braved, uh, you know, crossing the border and coming up to northern Tasmania. I don't think I haven't heard too many pitchforks or out and about <laughs> looking for you. Um, you even had a red can, so uh, you're a brave man. Um uh, thanks what's, for having me. What's the best way to support the uh, collective? Yeah, so jump on and um, give us, you know, give one of those riders a, a shout out and a sponsor. And then when you're here for the race, uh, buy some raffle tickets, have a look at our merch. Um, and yeah, that's the best way to get behind what we're doing. And anything um, you can contribute is so much appreciated. And we'll go, you know, I'm pretty confident to say that it'll go to changing a young person's life. Fantastic. Well, how wonderful the bikes. That's what it's all about. Legendary. Thanks, Ant. No worries. Thanks, Ant, for taking the time to sit down with me today. Go give the Taz Bike Collective a follow on their socials, or more importantly, consider becoming a regular donor and have a massive impact on a young person's life for the cost of a coffee or a beer. And thanks for listening today. Our journey into podcasting has been an interesting one. We are learning heaps each time we sit down and with so many opportunities to talk with interesting humans often on the bike, we are really enjoying it and we hope you are too. If you have any suggestions, don't hesitate to let us know. I'm working on uh, calming down. But more importantly, less than five weeks till race day. Keep the training going, put in the hard work now and we'll see you next month. Cheers. Cheers.